Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our FAQ series with a message titled, Is There Anything God Can't Forgive? We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Delighted. Delighted that you're here today. Can we welcome our campuses at South Shore and Plant City? Give them a big hand. What's going on? Hello to those of you who are online. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get together. Father, thank you that you are dealing with sickness uh, all around our nation. Father, take authority over uh, those sicknesses. Thank you, God, that we are delivered and placed in your hands. And we love you on this day. Change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen and amen. Delighted that you're here. Uh, I, I have been dealing with a little sickness for the last several weeks, and our team's just done a phenomenal job. Didn't Stephen Robles do an amazing job last weekend? Was, whew, one of the best messages in the Holy Spirit just I've ever heard. Amazing. This is awesome. We got a great team. Um, so if you're new, welcome to the Crossroom. Glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, welcome as well. We're in a series called FAQ, Frequently Asked questions. And so today we're going to answer the question, is there anything God can't forgive? Is there anything God can't forgive? Some of you are already tipping off the answer. I love you. <laughs> God is good. Do you remember uh, sometime, you know, maybe when you were a little younger that you got into some things that you, you required a little disciplinary action? Anybody remember? Anybody? Good. Okay. Some of you are like, yeah, it was yesterday. I was in grade school. We uh, lived right here in Tampa off of Cass Street on, on Del Mabry. I am a Tampanian, a true Tampanian. Uh, ow! Ow! We're, we're a rare bunch, I know. You know, God bless. You're from everywhere. I think we've got every tag from every state in America here in, in Florida. Just seen the last two days. Last two days. Uh, God is good. Welcome to all of you who are moving to the state of Florida. We welcome you here. Ha <laughs> ha! All right. Come on, you can be happy. We were putting in a pool, it was a little pool, and so the pool had been excavated and uh, no structure uh, inside the pool. And so there, there was no rebar, there was nothing to hold up the dirt walls. And my mom worked uh, a double shift, she worked at night some, and she said to me and my sister, she's gonna be asleep for about an hour, she said, uh, as she often does, she put her hands on my face and she said, do not, come on, say it with me, <laughs> don't you go in that pool. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm going to bed. Don't go outside. Don't go in that pool. And uh, um, about that time, she went to bed. My cousin came over. <laughs> and, my, and his fault, right? Going all the way to the garden. It was on my cousin. It was his fault. Uh, he, he said, hey, it, we're going to be fine. Let's go, let's go run in the pool. It'll be okay if we go run for a little while. So me and uh, my cousin, my sister went out in the pool, and we ran in the pool. It's uh, uh, fresh, dug the same day in Florida. And we ran up and down the sides of the pool and slid. And, we, and all, I mean, we were having a great time. We knew the prohibition. Come on, can I get an amen? And, uh, but, but we did it anyway. And, and uh, then my mom showed up at the door. And uh, she had a chancla in her hand. If you don't know what a chancla is, it's an instrument of correction. It can be deployed quickly. And uh, it just depends on what, well, you know, hey, if, if you're Latin, you know exactly what a chancla is. It, 
And so let the cat out of the bag. It's just, you know, when moms get frustrated, they just pull the shoe off and just, da-da, you know, it goes right, right to it. Uh, and so I received in my flesh the due penalty of the law that day. Are you with me? Yeah. So as we talk about it, is there something that God can't forgive? We need to talk about sin for just a second, okay? I want everybody to take a big, deep breath. All right. Everybody say, say the word sin. sin. Okay, it's not a curse word. It's not meant to be an accusation. And I know that when you go to church, oftentimes you say the word sin immediately. You know, I say the word giving or sin. Or, and immediately, especially if you're brand new, you go, oh, no. You know what I mean? Oh, no. no and I would say, no, no, no. That's not what we mean. Uh, it's not an accusation. It, it is a condition. It's a condition that we all have. And the Bible says that we're born with it. came from our first parents. And we don't have to teach our kids to do this, right? We don't have to. It just, it's an eight in us. Whoop. There it is. We, we don't have to teach us, do we, church? What we do have to teach is love and grace and forgiveness and kindness and all those things. Here's what the word says. Romans 3.10, there's no one who's righteous, not even one. Not even one. There's no one who's righteous. Romans 3.23 says, for all, everybody say all. all. For all has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an archery term that means to miss the mark and to break the 10 commandments of God. Now, Without the Spirit of God, we can never keep the Ten Commandments in the first place. Here's a little citation that I want to read to you from The Fading of Forgiveness by Tim Keller. While all other cultures have stressed the importance of community and the need to forge a personal identity that negotiates and aligns with the common good, I just want you to think about these sentences. Modernity, turn of the 17th century back there, we're in post-modernity now. Stress is looking inward to forge one's own identity based on your desires. Is that in our culture or what? And then moving outward to demand that society honor our individual identity and our individual interests. A recent interview with the actress, with an actress from Global Heroes. I'm not too familiar with Global Heroes, but I know the Wall Street Journal. A magazine insert inside of the Wall Street Journal perfectly exemplifies the therapeutic turn in our culture. So before modernity, if you had a problem, uh, those who would diagnose the problem would say it's a spiritual problem. And I would submit that every problem in its genesis is a spiritual problem. Today in our culture, if you have a problem, it's a therapeutic issue that has to do with you. And so you need to look to the inside for your answers. Uh, we believe this in Christianity. We look up for our answers. We, we look up to God for our answers. <laughs> so when asked, the lady that was uh, citing this in the Wall Street Journal, when asked what is one good choice that everyone can make to improve the world around them, she answered, look for your own truth. How many of you know there's just one truth? How many of you still believe in the Bible? How many of you believe in the commandments of God? How many believe they're good? Okay, they're good. He's good. They're good. He, he is real. He's on his throne. We can believe him. Uh, so she says, look to your own truth. Uh, don't repeat anyone else's truth. She elaborated, what's crucial to me is to make my audience question old beliefs. Now, some of that you could, is usable. Some of it you know, is nuance for today. She counsels her fans to engage in a daily practice of asking, what do I need? And then go out and get it. 
And, and so what happens is when we look at the Ten Commandments quickly, uh, is the first four are for our relationship with God, the next six are for relationship with people. And so normally what would happen as you come into Christianity is we'd say, what I want to do is I want to humble myself to live under the mighty hand of an exalted God, amen? That's what I wanna do. I wanna, I wanna get humble uh, and understand I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. God does know it. He does have the answers. And when I humble myself, he gives me his glory and enable, enables me to live, right? What this is saying and what culture is saying is that um, instead of humbling myself, there's a self-exaltation that takes place and self takes place over God so it inverts all of the 10 commandments. Are you with me? So the commandments then are, instead of thou shalt and me receiving the commandments, uh, it's today, I shout. I, 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 my law is me. My deviation, my standard deviation from what I know is where I want to go. That's why when you drive in Tampa, if you're brand new from here, now big cities, we all have this, we have this, but if you're, you know, it's getting worse in Tampa. Do you agree with me? That's why every exit that merges, there are VIPs. There's about 40 of them at every exit, not 40. But so they, and they believe that they're very important and so they're gonna, they'll cut through. It's not like I've never cut a line. Come on, I'm, let me, confession. But I don't do it often. I don't do it often. And, and, and so if you're a line cutter, God sees you. <laughs> um, VIP. <laughs> and I love you. I'll let you in. But you tempt me to sin. Doesn't it? Because everybody's, everybody's moral law is their own perspective. Their, their own perspective. The other day I was at a light, and this is totally random. I don't know why it's coming in my mind. I was at a light, and, and uh, I looked behind me, and there was a, a mom and a girl, and she rolled down the window, took an entire thing of Chinese food. It was full, and just dropped it out the window. The napkin, the plate, the food, the whole thing. And I, I just drove off like, I'm not gonna sin. I'm not gonna sin. I'm not, I'm not gonna sin. And I was turning around. Oh, I'm gonna keep going. Let me keep going. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. I've seen people throw stuff out of the car. I've just never seen that. Like the whole plate of Chinese food just went bleh. And I thought to myself, I, how, how, how much you gotta be thinking about your own life to not think about other people to do things like that? And our cult, we're just consumed with it right now. We're consumed. So here's a lightning round, okay? It's a lightning round. I'm gonna talk about some things that we could mistakenly think are unforgivable, but they are forgiven. And, and I'm, I'm tipping my hat already here. I'm tipping my hat. How many of you experienced this? This is in Romans chapter seven, um, where um, the Bible says the apostle Paul, who's a great man, wrote most of the Bible, a huge conversion. He was not a very good guy. He got converted, became a great guy, wrote most of the New Testament. Incredible man of God. And he says this in Romans 7. The things that I want to do, come on, say it with me. I don't do. And the very things that I don't want to do, I end up doing those things. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to being human. It's a struggle. And so lightning round, I'm gonna move pretty quickly. Uh, some of you think that um, you could have serious enough doubt 
that it's unforgivable. And I want to tell you, God forgives your doubt. He, he does, even in significant doubt. Now, I, I will talk about later an unbelief and an unbelief that stays with you past the time of your lifetime is something, that's the only thing. See, I just gave it away. I'm terrible at holding things. It's not an unbelief. It's a, it's a, it's a, if you're doubting, you're questioning God, bring your question to the Lord. The scripture reference is John 20, 24, and it's about Thomas. And Thomas said, I won't believe Jesus unless he shows me the holes in his hands and in his feet. They were later in a prayer meeting. Jesus walks through the wall. I wish I could have been there. I wonder if there was a noise like, Whoom. I wonder if like he, came, he came through the wall and he said, hey, Thomas, come here. And he put his hands, he said, put your hands in the holes in my hands. Do you know when we get to heaven, the stigmata, that's what it's called, are still in the hands of Jesus. Showing the, the powerful sacrifice that he, he gave for you and me on the cross. And in his feet, they're still there in the non-corporeal but real body of Jesus. And he says to Thomas, he says, um, you believe? He says, yeah, because you've seen. And he says, greater is the blessing. Blessed are those who do not see, come on, and yet believe. And yet believe. Let me encourage you today. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He, he, he will and, uh, have talks with Satan and tell him that thou be gone. <laughs> and, and back in your relationship with God. Secret sin. Let me go faster. Psalm 139 the Bible says that God knows our thoughts before we have them. So the secret to getting rid of secret sin, do you guys want to know what it is? Come on, you guys, raise your hand. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, you guys are like, I don't have secret sin. <laughs> so the secret to getting rid of secret sin is to know that nothing is a secret. Everything is laid, laid bare before the eyes of God whom he sees, and it's the word of God that judges, that quickens the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. It separates the bone from the marrow, gets in here. If you want to get rid of secret sin, get into the word of God and recognize that your sin, although it might be setting to you, might be difficult for you, um, get it out. Bring it out into the light. When you turn the light on, the roaches scatter. That's, that's when, and so what surprises us is we come into the light and we finally admit to God, hey God, I'm dealing with, with this. And he says, man, I'm glad you told me. I didn't know. <laughs> of course he knows. And of course he's there for us, right? Amen? Amen. Sexual sin, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 18 through 20, the Bible says that your body is not your own. It was bought with a price. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit and not to sin against your body because at times that can remain in your body. You sin against your own body. And then Galatians 2, for I've been crucified with Christ and yet I live. Come on, say that with me. I've been crucified. Come on, real big. I've been crucified with Christ and yet I live. Okay, that means that you take your old self and you crucify yourself. This is the opposite of what we're hearing from culture. Culture is saying, exalt self, exalt self, exalt self. The, the gospel says, crucify self, crucify self, crucify self. When you crucify yourself, he will exalt you. Come on now. He will exalt you. He'll give, he'll give you his exalted glory, his Holy Spirit. I've been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. For the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So, Bill Johnson says, a very famous pastor, he says, when you recognize how much you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, you'll go to sin, and then you'll recognize sin is like a third shoe. <laughs> you just, just think about that for a second. What would you do with a third shoe? <laughs> Nothing. You have no need for it. 
Chris, some of you are still like, hmm, third shoe. <laughs> well, what did you do with third shoe? You don't need a third shoe. What do we do when we understand the power of God in our lives and what God has done in us? What do we do when we approach sin? We recognize, I don't need, come on, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. Why? It doesn't fit me. There's no use for it. Okay, now I'm not saying that we're sinless. You understand, I'm talking about besetting sin, sexual sin, habitual sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, people mistake and they say, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, God will give you more than you can handle. <laughs> Believers in the house and online, come on now. God will give you more, way more than you can handle. And many times more than you can handle means that I fall to my knees and I give him the glory and his power comes to me in my life so that I can handle it in his strength because I can in my own, okay? This verse, this verse is talking about sexual sin and temptation specifically. And he says, you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. I'll make a way of escape for you. I call it the 10 second window. So when you're tempted, whatever the temptation is, you have about 10 seconds before you have decided and it's come across your eye gate or your ears or whatever it is. You've got about 10 seconds to decide to run like Joseph. You need to run. So just whenever you're tempted, because we all are all the time, whenever you're tempted, think about the window and just get through that window. You get about 10 seconds, okay? Yeah, come on, we can give it up. Get out the back, Jack. <clears throat> Severe sin, I, I was tempted to sing the song. I was just making new plans, Dan. All right. Severe sin. When we talk about severe sin, uh, sometimes people that go to war, they come back and they say, you don't know the atrocities that I've seen. And I, I mean, can we thank our military? Can we just thank them for a second? Listen. <clears throat> Woo. Thankful. Thankful that there are men and women standing between us and harm's way because there are people that want to harm you. There are, and it's a real sacrifice. Um, but even in, in those cases, so there's, the military action is different. The, the gospel, that's something that's different whenever you take action under the authority of a military and so on. But even if that's not the case and something would have happened and you were responsible for taking somebody else's life, as the Bible talks about in 2 Samuel 12, 14, David, King David took a man's life and yet God forgave him. Are you with me? Okay. Now, if you've taken somebody's life, you, you would be in a serious, a very, and, and uh, undoubtedly so, you'd be in a serious space of contemplating, can God forgive me? And the answer is yes, he can. Not only does God forgive you, in the New Testament, he used Saul, and he, turned, he changed his name, and he made him Paul, and in his conversion, he was the one that was killing, or at least attending to the killing of Christians, a bunch of them, and then used him to write most of the New Testament. And so God can take our brokenness. God can use the trials, come on somebody, and make them his testimony. Even if it's severe. Even if it's severe. So some of you have questions about children that pass unduly, mental illness, suicide. Those who haven't heard the gospel, I've given you a piece of scripture there and I believe all of those are covered by the grace of God. All of them, can I get an amen? Come on, they're all covered by the grace of God. Some of you might disagree, but we can have a theological debate and all those things, and I mean, it's okay. You, you, you know what I mean? You can be wrong sometimes. It's, it's okay. All right. Okay, what could remain unforgiven? 
There's uh, four scriptures and there's a couple of more, but four, I'm just gonna focus on one and I'll tell you what the Bible talks about as the unpardonable sin, what could be unforgiven. Matthew 12, 22 through 24, 31 and 32. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, so he couldn't see and he couldn't speak. And the power of Jesus, and Jesus healed him. The Bible says that the religious rulers, they got upset at him and they they, they said that he healed the man based on his allegiance with Satan. And Jesus, and they called him Beelzebub, which is called the Lord of the Flies. And and, uh, Jesus said, that doesn't make any sense. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And so the Pharisees, what they did is they tried to smear Jesus's authority. And then they go on and they blaspheme the word, they call it blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says in 31 this, and so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It means profane speech cursing, slandering, or action, or writing concerning God, or anything that is divine, anything that's considered divine. Against the Spirit of God will not be forgiven, 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Woo! I felt it just because you said it. Actually, I should say, I felt him just because you said him. The Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. And then it talks about it in Mark uh, 3, 2, 3, 28 and 29, and then Luke 12, 8, uh, 18. I can't get my numbers right right now. (laughs) Luke 12, 8 through 10. So number one, as we unpack this, disrespectful speech or even actions concerning God, specifically concerning God, Uh, are outward signs that there's an inward problem, church. Okay, there's an inward problem. So somebody's slandering God, or and usually if you slander God, you slander people. So somebody who is slanderous is blasphemous. When you say dirty things, vile things about people, and especially you say them about God, and you can even say them about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, Now watch this. Some of you are aware of how other religions Uh, respond to irreverent speech or actions toward anything or anyone held as divine. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Last year, a French middle school teacher was violently murdered outside of Paris for creating uh, what was considered to be a distasteful cartoon caricature. Do you remember? If you don't know, go, go look this up. The justification for his death was blasphemy against Muhammad, the prophet. Okay, are you with me? Okay, everybody take a deep breath. Come on. Don't get so tense when we talk about stuff. God wants us to talk about stuff. He does. Okay, so here's the the comment. Here's a statement about what we're talking about. Um, We Christians don't believe that way. We don't believe that way. And we don't believe that the above verses mean anything like that. Listen to what I'm saying. However damaging and concerning concerning irreverent speech or even vile actions towards God can be on their own, they aren't the center of the problem. And fortunately, thanks be to God, they are 100% forgivable. Are you with me? You guys are still processing. Uh, Think Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Do you remember the movie? 
You remember when, so he had a terrible accident and Forrest Gump saves him and he didn't want to be saved because he was going to die in the war like his father, his grandfather, his great grandfather, all this thing. And he had, a, he had this place that he wanted to go and all those things. And he saves him and then he's angry with God. He's angry. He's lost his legs. He's on the boat and he's saying to God, come on. <laughs> remember? And, and so I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to tell everybody who's out there, listen, God can handle all your anger. He can handle all your disappointment. He can even, even hand or, handle vile things that come out of you because you're angry at him or mad at him uh, or you don't think he's fair and all those things. God can handle every bit of that. And so can other Christians who are believers. We, yeah, come on, we can thank God for that. Come on. Now, I will say I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't recommend it because God's not to be trifled with. God, 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 in, in other words, God has his own chancleta. <laughs> but the chancla is made to correct you. My mom proved to me that she would vehemently <laughs> fight for me so that I wouldn't uh, ex experience something that was a greater harm. That's God. That's God's heart. There, there, is, there is not a damning heart in God. There is a restitutional, receiving, blessing, calling, always, always, always calling on you. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. I love you. Yes, you're cursing me. Jesus is here to save you. The inward problem, that's all an outward problem. And God can fix the outward problem. God, God's not worried about it. It's like your kids have a tantrum. You're like, all right, that's enough. Come here, I love you. Oh, that's enough. You with me? That, that's enough. All right. The inward problem is a hardened heart. It's a hard heart towards God, specifically regarding the witness of the Holy Spirit. I'll talk more in a second. That never, everybody say never. never. That never softens to believe him or receive him. That is ultimately self-condemning and therefore unforgivable. Are you with me? Okay, the only thing that God can't forgive, I want you to see this on the screen, consciously, persistently, deliberately, and maliciously rejecting the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So that means wherever you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, whatever difficulty, pain, whatever you think um, God hasn't given for you, if the only thing God can't forgive is over and over and over and over and over, persistently and forever throughout the course of your lifetime until death, until you die, Rejecting the wooing, the calling, the persistence of God coming after you to say to you, I love you, I'm for you, I'll save you, I'll redeem you. I'm, I'm, that, that's what God says. If you stay in that hardened place past the time of your life and you close your eyes, you go into eternity or the grave without softening towards the grace of God, the wooing grace of God, it's like the Jim Carrey movie. I forget the name of the movie. The picture comes to my mind. There's all these signs. There's a truck with hundreds of signs in it. And uh, the Jim Carrey, uh, what's it called? Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. And, and, he, and, and the character Bruce Almighty is behind this thing. He's got all these signs and lights and everything. He's going, God, show me your will. God, show me your way. Do you know God intercedes for you every day? Jesus intercedes for you every day of every moment of every second. He intercedes and intercedes and intercedes. 
And why the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Because if I reject the wooing grace of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that warms my heart to open me to receive the fullness of the deity of Jesus who completed the work of my salvation, which is the plan of redemption for man. So because I close myself off from the Holy Spirit, I close myself off from the Son, and then I close myself off from the Father. Are you with me? That's what the unforgivable sin is in the Bible. So, sheesh. The unforgivable sin, come on, say it with me. You guys are so weird. <laughs> say the unforgivable sin. Unforgivable. That's much better. Is actually forgivable. forgivable. Yee. On this side of eternity. On this side of eternity. Is everybody with me? Yes. It's on this side of eternity. Before you close your eyes, which means forever, on this side of eternity, which has an impact. It has this incredible impact on, uh, on you and me for how we live our lives. It really is. It's huge. It's huge. God said, you know, church, that's why we pray for people. If you've got an aunt or an uncle or brother or sister, if it's your heart, I want you to encourage. If somebody is just hardened and angry at God and they're slanderous and they just, they can't speak well of anything. They can't speak well of the Bible or the church or, or you or people or anything. They're just angry and spewing and hurting. Just hurt people, hurt people. It's just how it works. If you're hurting, you're, you're hurting. But no matter what condition a person is in, keep praying for them because there's hope for them until their eyes close for the final time. There's, there's, there's hope for them. A direct impact for my life and your life and the Lord. In other words, if God can, here, here's, watch this. If God can forgive us that greatly, can we forgive those who sinned against us? Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on now. Uh, I want to read you this prevailing thought that's coming. Uh, it, it's in our culture as well. Same magazine, um, The Fading of Forgiveness. This is a comment um, on Daniel Barron's post in the New York Times. It's a comment. So we don't know who this person is and she's commenting on Daniel Barron's post and, and then it's, it's written, this article that I'm referring to is The Fading of Forgiveness by Tim Keller. But Tim Keller didn't say this. Somebody that's commenting, everybody clear on the comment? Okay. This is really a growing view in our culture. Watch this, watch this now, watch this church. That unforgiveness is personally empowering. It's, it's populating our culture and you're gonna, you're gonna hear it and see it. Just, there's no way you should forgive them. Why? Because if you forgive them, it's empowering them. No, forgiving them is your life being saved. Unforgiveness is like thinking of a person who's harmed you and just you know mixing a bunch of poison and just going, I hate you, and then you drink the poison. That's unforgiveness. But this, this is being popularized in our culture everywhere. That's why if I mention the name Donald Trump, I could split the church right here, right now. Donald Trump. <laughs> like there'll be hissing and gnashing and some people cheering. And so that, that's why we can't talk anymore in our country is because we've lost our identity in Jesus. You can't, church, listen. What happened to disagreeing and then respecting each other? Hatefulness and vindictiveness have taken the hour. And so if you are a victim, everybody say victim, then you have permission to say and do anything to anyone. 
because we've divided our culture, haven't we? I mean, the victim, this thing in our culture is just growing and growing and growing. It's growing exponentially. So here's this lady's, I'll get to reading her, her statement. The notion that victims of crime, and this is sensitive, so I want to tell you ahead of time. The notion that victims of crime, oppression, and even sexual assault could forgive their oppressors is absurd. It actually, this is a, in, in uh, the New York Times, okay? It actually piles more oppression and harshness on the victim, insisting, and that's in quotes, they should forgive, plays into the sickness of patriarchal, misogynistic, male, supremacist religion that blames women. Now, that's a lot of gobbledygook. I can't even say all that. If you hear this language, church, run. Listen to me. If you hear this junk, run. It's not that at the core of what's being presented, there's not clear and purposeful reason for pain. That's not what I'm saying. Come on, church, are you with me? But... A person that's been harmed taking up their own cause to make somebody pay back what they need to pay back, whether it's you know on a billboard or whatever it is, to be vindictive and hateful, and then to and then for the culture to cut us off from forgiveness means we're cut off from the wooing of the spirit, which is cutting us off from Jesus in our salvation that cuts us off from the Father. It's obvious that. This person is hurting. She goes on and says, forgiveness is overrated. It heals neither the body nor the mind. Now, I want you to to know the Bible says that when you forgive somebody, it heals the mind and the body. When you forgive, you get free. And then the last portion is, let the criminal ask his gods if there be any for forgiveness. Instead of talking about the victims forgiving, we should be talking about, and I altered the words here because it was just too awful to even copy out. We should be talking about tattooing the names of the perpetrator's sins on their foreheads, and that would actually help us to make everybody safer. I'm sure glad that my sin isn't tattooed on my forehead. And I I hope that you're glad that yours isn't either. Because every sin is the same sin. And if we can't forgive sin, then we don't receive mercy. If we, can't, if we don't know how greatly we've been forgiven, we can't forgive. Now, I, am, I, I, I'm, I promise God, God hurts so badly in heaven. God, God doesn't, the intention, all this stuff that's taking place on the earth, you know, there'll be a time when the lion, the lion lays with the lamb and every tear is wiped away. It's not God's intention for people to prey on other people. You understand that? But if we cut ourselves off from what he wants to do to heal us, man, we're in a, we're in a world of hurt. We're, we're in a totally, I want to I wanna just end, just, I want to recommend to you, if, if, you, if anywhere near that, that circumstance or situation, somebody's hurt you, Especially if you're a lady, I want to recommend Joyce Meyer to you. She's a platform speaker, wonderful lady, and she suffered greatly at the hands of her own father for many years, sexual abuse. This is in her story. In her story, she says this. She says, I just decided one day I'm not going to be a victim any longer. And she said, and, and because she, she was victimized, legit. 
She said, I'm not gonna be a victim any longer. I'm gonna forgive my dad through the power of Jesus. And she said, when I forgave my dad, all of a sudden I started to have victory after victory, after victory, after victory, after victory. She forgave her dad. So not only has she been victorious, she's led millions of people into victory and freedom. Millions. So, so, so listen, I wanna say to everybody, that's still the way. That's still the way. The other way is not the way. Dropping your Chinese out of the car is not the way. <laughs> not caring about other people means just you're hurting and you're not caring about your relationship with God and God cares for you. He loves you. He died for you. She, she, not only did she forgive her father, she invited him into her home when he was ailing and aging. She forgave him and then she proved she forgave him. She cared for him at the end of his life. Not only did she care for him, in his waning moments, she led him to Jesus. Yeah. Woo! Woo! I'd rather hear that story than the story of tattooing something on somebody's forehead and saying, you go to hell. That is not the gospel. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help us. Why don't we pray? Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. I, I, before we pray, watch this, watch this. Is there, anything, is there anything that God can't forgive? Come on, say it with me. Not on this side of eternity. Only a hardness of heart that persists past the closing of the eyes that goes into eternity. That's the only thing God says. Everything else, listen, be free in the name of Jesus. Be free, be free, be free, be free in the name of Jesus. Be free, be free. God does not, God doesn't condemn. He's not judging you. He's gonna set you free, even if it's secret. God, God can take it away right here, right now in Jesus' name. At our campuses, at our campuses, and, and all that God's doing, would you join me in praying? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget, you can watch all of our messages on demand on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash crossingchurch and subscribe to watch messages and our live broadcasts of services. And you can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. We would love to see you at noon prayer at our Tampa campus every Wednesday at 12 o'clock and for our weekend services at all three of our campus locations. To learn more, visit wearecrossing.com.